Hello and welcome. You're listening to the San Antonio Realty Pros Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening to us. If this is your first time here, please subscribe to the podcast. It'll really help us out. If you want to send us a message, if you want to cover a topic or something like that, shoot us an email and we would be happy to put that on the show. Enjoy the show. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on the podcast. Um, I'll introduce myself because we haven't ever met each other until yesterday. We had one exchange on an email, but um, I'm Stephen Randolph. Um, this is my business partner, David. Um, we own the Karis Randolph Signature Property Group. Uh, we're both uh, real estate agents uh, actively in the market here in San Antonio, and um, we run the San Antonio Realty Pros podcast. And um, Ivan had reached out to me a couple of days ago. And he said, hey, you know, I'd like to get uh, AJ on the podcast. And I see that you got a lot of amazing things going on, and I, I think that's awesome. Um, I watched a couple of your YouTube videos from, um, from the show that you have. Um, remind me of the, the network that, that you had. A, um, like a, well, you're probably talking about the American Dream then. The American Dream, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's – uh nationally syndicated one that we were doing for quite a while um are, are we running right now yeah yeah we're we're going right now i just um i, I kind of do it that way just because i i like to get a little bit of background but um sure. we're also running a facebook live um awesome. so okay, yeah. yeah i mean my, my quick background is i uh, i own an independent brokerage as well here in san diego and I've uh, been in the industry for about 13 years. And so, yeah, we've done quite a bit. The media side for us has been a big part of not only our brokerage, but our team's business for a long time between video and our podcasts that we run. Um, we've done TV. We have internal. So we have the videographer, the media set up here, podcasts, everything. So for us, it was just uh, our market super competitive. Yeah. So how do we stand out? How do we... And we have 25,000 licensed agents in our, our county. And last year we did about 35,000 transactions. So it's almost a one-to-one how many agents we have for how many transactions. So for us, the media side has always been a way to, you know, stand out in a noisy market. Man, that's, that's, that's incredible. Um, so as a broker owner, you stay pretty much involved with production still or? I've kind of phased out when I opened the brokerage about four years ago, I produced the first year or so. And then now I do mainly like the easy lay down past client referral kind of and mainly listings, yeah. uh, things that I can leverage, still do a really good job for my clients and, and their referrals, but I don't do any, I haven't prospected in four years. I haven't done anything at all on that side. So I'm more in the systems and processes, management, hiring at the day to day. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so I know when I was talking with Ivan, um, I, I didn't show you this. Did I show you the website where they're doing the reignite deal? Yeah. So the reason why we I really wanted to talk to you is about, um, cause we're doing a small series, a couple of episodes here and there, um, mainly targeting like real estate agents and, and stuff like that to, um, the last episode that we did was all about, I don't know if you heard it or not, but it's all about real estate agents actually working together no matter what brokers they're, they're from. Because at the end of the day, um, what I explained in the episode was we have clients on both sides of the deal and our end goal is to get the transaction closed and make our clients happy. And if we're, you know, um, distressed about whatever's going on the other side of the transaction with that other agent, regardless of, you know, who they are or who they work for, the better thing for the client at the end of the day is for us to work together and, and all get along and it's not that we have this huge animosity, but everybody lets their egos get in in, in the way. And, um, you know, the, it's better that the agents can work together as a team, too, while keeping, you know, the fiduciary duties separated. Um, right. I, I think it just is a better deal all the way around. And I think that's something that we should really work on as agents, uh, individual agents and, um, and owners. So I... <laughs> I saw that you have like a big business that you're building with the reignite program. Um, you have that online event coming up in October. So October 15th, right? Yeah. So, um, second company that I run is called restructure. And basically, uh, we have a couple different 
objectives with the company. The first one is we have basically like a master class where we've gone out and I know a lot of these people personally. Um, we have people that are CEOs of tech companies in real estate, broker owners, team leaders, uh, basically 15 of the smartest people I know in, in real estate who every month create a miniature course. So three to five videos around a topic that's relevant to building a business, whether it be, um, and usually like people are like, oh, is it going to be, you know, if David Anderson at Line Desk is doing a course, is it only about a CRM? No, really our, our whole vision with this is teaching people how to build a business. So uh, Dave might do something like how to hire and retain a great sales uh, team, how to create a better mindset for building your business. So each of our collaborators creates a course every month, then they do a live Q&A the following week. So basically all of our members have the ability to jump on, talk to each of the collaborators about what they taught them, how it works, ask questions. Uh, and then the collaborators also do a strategy call, which is kind of like an open podcast where we go in and we talk about business building. Everyone can jump on. And it's a lot of this is about the engagement side where most of the time you don't have access to these kind of people as agents or team leaders. You wouldn't be able to ask Travis, Tom, or different people about what they do. So, you know, really our goal was to create an inexpensive platform where people can learn about how to build their business. It wasn't about accountability or handholding, which I think a lot of coaching tends to be. It's more like, hey, you want to learn how to run Facebook ads and retarget people? Here's a five-step course from Travis Tom, Elevated REM, on how to do that. Right. So that, that's our main uh, objective with our membership side. And then we also do stuff like uh, pre-created courses that we sell and we have a uh, consultation side and we do actually done for you services. So like I'm working with a brokerage to basically overhaul their entire platform, their systems, their recruiting, their processes. So that it, it, as condensed as that can be, that's really what we're trying to do is basically teach people how to run their business. And if they need help, we can set it all up for them. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so what's the market going, uh, how is the market out there in California right now in San Diego area? It's crazy. I mean, <laughs> we had uh, probably a 30-day lull where everyone at the beginning of COVID said, mm -hmm. what's happening right now? Let's see what's going to transpire from this. But um, since April, May, it's just been an insane seller's market. I mean, we, we lack, we've always lacked inventory the past you know six or seven years, but now it's extreme. We've got... We obviously rates and nationally they're driving the market. And then, you know, it's a matter of if you've got a prep, a property's price, well, it's in good condition. You're expecting to get five to 20 offers at a time, wow. depending on where in the price range. And it's crazy to see, especially because our market, like we're in Carlsbad here, our average sale price is probably one, three, one, four. And those homes are the same thing. Multiple offers flying off the shelf. You'd think price range would drive, you know, slow it down because the market has increased so much in value, but it really has. And it's, it's pretty amazing to see this demand, even with all the outside factors that would say, Hey, it's not a great time to buy a home with everything happening. You know, I think people just realize money is cheap and I've got to be spending a lot more time at home for a while and I want to be somewhere I enjoy. Sure. Yeah, no, I can get that for sure. I mean, it's been kind of crazy here too, but. Well, these interest rates, if they were able to get an $800,000 house, now you can get to that 1.2, 1.3 maybe with the interest rates and still have the same mortgage payment. So why not upgrade and have the same price? We're seeing that here too. We had that lull and then it just took right back off. Uh, I just put a house under contract Monday. We submitted an offer Saturday. They got six offers on it and it, it, they didn't even do any showings Friday. Only showings were Saturday, received six offers and, uh, you know, I strategized it enough to where we want it. And uh, so that's good. But it's just, it's really weird here. Like the lower end houses aren't selling as fast as like the higher end houses. And I think it's, I think it's because of the interest rates of people that could buy, you know, at the $185,000, $200,000 range. Now they can afford the two fifty dollars or so uh, with the interest rates. Plus another thing that I think is, I don't know about there, but here uh, we have a lot of uh, entry level positions, and I think at that lower the lower purchase price, they're the ones that are more affected uh, with the layoffs, the reduced hours, things like that too. So it's interesting to see how everywhere you know we're looking at the market is becoming a a seller's market right now because of these interest rates. 
we've seen a pretty dramatic increase in values over the past five years. I'd say 40 to 45 percent in some areas that have just gone from 500 to eight, 900 places mm-hmm. that you would just never expect to be that expensive. And, you know, I think it's a matter of figuring out how long this can last because I think to an extent it's pretty artificial as far as prices at the moment. So, you know, at least here wondering, you know, obviously election is going to have some impact. You're going to have people are torn. You know, they're either going to be real happy or real upset. regardless right. of who wins. And uh, so I think that's one little thing we're going to see have a small impact for a short period of time. And then from there, I think how long can rates stay this low? And I think everyone's kind of in that boat of, can I take advantage of a 2.530 year fixed or do I wait and see if prices drop in a year or two and maybe get into a three or 4% interest rate. But I don't know about you guys. I started in 07 and I bought my first house in 08 and I was in a six and a half interest rate. Me too. That's where we were at. We bought our first houses about two months apart from each other. And, uh, you know, I got mine in October of 2007 and then a couple months later, you know, we get uh, orders to relocate to Alaska, and my house now that I just bought was like $30,000 less than what I paid for it. So we ended up having to turn it into a rental property, and Stephen was in the same situation. Yep. And uh, it's pretty weird <laughs> because like, we weren't even we, – we, we didn't even know each other when we bought the houses, and then, like our whole life kind of has mirrored each other. Yep. Um, I mean, even our wives work together. I mean, it's just – and then we're both in the military, so now we're both realtors, so it's like our – you know, he's the younger and fitter version of me. So, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I got stuck in a. Uh, I think I ended up closing in July. I got out of the Marine Corps in, in July, but we we ended up closing our house. And man, you know what happened in '08? It just tanked. I mean, we were underwater for a while. I mean, we were still. I mean, I didn't lose any kind of income, but the house you couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> you I mean you couldn't have gave the thing away because uh, the values just tanked. But um, so as far as like. Um, Everything that you've got going on right now, can you tell us a little bit about um, all the different uh, facets of, of business that you're actually working and, and how you're able to help agents um, progress their business and, and do better? Is that something sure. we can cover? Yeah, so for me, it really was a matter of just progression from being an agent, team leader, running teams, on the brokerage to you know, being able to kind of scale what we do with people outside of our company because that's the hard part around the brokerage is it's so local. Yeah. And so for me, it was, hey, I'm really, really proficient and strong with systems, processes, legion, drips, video, all these things that people really need and kind of either struggle with doing or think it's too expensive or just have limiting beliefs with it. So it was a matter of let's figure out core aspects of the business that we can teach that starts at whatever level. You're a brand new agent or you're wanting to start a team or you want to start a brokerage and basically just segmenting different courses based on skill level and experience. So for us, it was a matter of uh, dialing in core aspects to start. And I think that, I mean, your guys' company, do you guys bring on new agents a lot? We just started in really like hardcore in January, like open the actual company up. So we've brought on four or five. Yeah. Uh, we lost one. We lost one. We've got four. So we're doing pretty good. You know, yeah. But we're not actively out there either trying to just get a hot body with a license. Right. We're very particular on who we interview because we want quality versus quantity because we right. figure our money will be better spent that way. Our time will be better spent that way. Um, and, uh, we have a high ethical standard, which everybody in real estate should, but we want to make sure that their, our core values and their core values are symbiotic to make it easier for everybody. So we're not, we're not just out there like, Oh, Hey, you know, you got a license, come on over. Right. What, what's your experience been with bringing on new agents? Actually, we've been pretty, pretty good. Um, we don't force them. We don't, we'll bring them in. We'll talk to them and tell them, Hey, look, this is what we offer. This is what we believe in. This is how we do business. And then kind of leave it to them because we don't want to go and chase them and then try and bring We want them to come to us and want to be with us. And I think that that will you know, make our business stronger in the end. We may not have a thousand agents in 10 years, but if we have a hundred agents and they're all producing well and we're all working together as a family and a team, I think that the, that's kind of how we're setting up our company is just to kind of have it, uh, you know, controlled growth 
because we don't want to get too big and then we just like lose everything. You know, we're trying to work out all, all of our processes too. Uh, the brokerage. So I was in real estate for about two and a half years before we opened this up. One of my army buddies is our broker. I can get my broker's license in February. But I was always out selling. So I never sat back and talked to my previous broker about, well, how do you set up your business? What processes do you have? What do you do for this and that? So we're kind of bouncing on the walls then, you know, getting roughed up a little bit, you know, just trying to figure out, oh, we should have thought about that or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's another reason why we're kind of trying to control the growth so that when, you know, we have a bunch of agents, it's a seamless process. So we've got our own photographer. We've got our own transaction coordinator. Um, Steven, he would do drone footage until he broke his drone. Had an altitude adjustment problem. (laughs) (laughs) So he was actually at a haunted house. I, I think it was haunted. And, uh, I swear, I swear to God, I think it was haunted. They're having a lot of electrical issues, and uh, his drone just took off all on its own. Like yeah. he wasn't even touching it; it just went straight up and then went right down to the ground. So, yeah. uh, I call it the haunted house. I was trying to do a three D Matterport tour in the house, and I kept doing like my the the camera kept doing weird stuff, like it would shut down, power off. Um, it wouldn't connect. It was doing all kinds of crazy. It would take the layout and, and put it in a completely different area. It was weird. It was the it was the nuttiest experience I've had. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, haunted houses aren't tax write offs. Right. <laughs> yeah. But so. I mean, we're you know, and that's why there's like nothing out there that we've been able to find that isn't five or six you know five figures yeah. to kind of come up with. Hey, do this. Here's your process for this. You should have this. You should think of this when you're opening up a business. So, you know, when Steven told me about what you guys are doing, that piqued my curiosity because there's nothing out there from a subject matter expert. I mean, you can get coaching all day long, but it's on how to sell, right? How to get buyers and stuff like that. But there's nothing out there like, hey, you know, you should set up, you know, um, your continuity books should look like this. You know, you should have weekly meetings that have outlined these things. This is how you hold your employee or your agents accountable. And here's how you do this and that. There's like nothing out there. So when Stephen was talking to me about what you were doing, that it piqued my curiosity because I'm interested in that because I don't like to not excel. I don't like to achieve. And I don't like to be out there, what I call in the Army, I don't want to be out there flapping. Uh, so I'm very intrigued as to what you have to, to offer. Yeah, that's. Honestly, so the model for restructure has kind of evolved over this year. Um, initially, it was going to be a lot more of what you're talking about, where you know we go out and sort or uh, seek out brokerages and spend a lot of time um, trying to find people who need that help. What I realize is we'd rather educate people, and then as they need our services, they know that we have those services as well. So uh, what we want to do is just build a community. And within that community, have people who have been there, done that, know how to do it, share how to do those things. And then, you know, hey, if you guys said, you know, we, we want, and I, I did this with a buddy here in, in Orange County, I just need help start to finish structuring this. And that's really where he and I, we sat down for eight hours last week. We brought in his broker in charge, his assistant. Everyone sat down and we went through, all right, how do you recruit? How do you, how do you train? How do you retain? What systems are you using and providing? What's your structure with your splits? Do you guys have a tech fee, a desk fee? You know, let's look at your revenue. Are you guys offering leads? And we went through everything as basically like a, let's just break it down and let's figure out where your weaknesses are. Let's figure out how we can implement new items. I mean, from anything as small as I need a better independent contractor agreement to, hey, help me set up our all-in-one CRM so that we can bring in agents and give them, you know, standalone domains, their own CRM, their own website, all these things. So we went through everything in detail. And I think that's, like you said, it doesn't really exist in especially the brokerage space where there is a place you can go to learn about how to do that. And one of the things that I'm actually creating right now is uh, under a thousand bucks, an entire course on how to start a brokerage. So start to finish, do you set up an S corp, an LLC, name, branding, logo, everything start to finish. Cause I think that's something that people think about all the time is, Hey, I'd like to start my own company, but I really have no idea how to do it. And it's so daunting because there's so many things. I think part of the reason I like what we're doing here at Three Structure is I'm taking four years of learning as a broker and condensing it into hopefully 30 days for people where they don't have to go through all the trials and tribulations and spending the money and hiring people you don't need. And I mean, I, I honestly, like 
I've spent over probably a million and a half on this brokerage in four years. And it's stuff that I probably could have cut in half in that time frame. Just, you know, do I need this much space? Do I need a printer? Do I need certain things? And we want to teach people how to set this up from the beginning and not have to go through all that because uh, a good friend of mine actually owns Brokerman, Andrew. Uh, we were chatting the other day and he said, it's hard for us. We have so much turnover with our transaction management platform because most brokerages never get to the point that they're profitable. Yeah. So they get the 50 agents. The broker either needs to remain in production and make money or they need a team within the brokerage. And a lot of places just never get there. And so that's something I want, man, like, we can absolutely help brokerages reduce how many of them never get to that point. Cause that's the hardest part is making it profitable without you producing. Right. I mean, a hundred percent on what you make as the broker, that's a lot of money. When you look at, Hey, I can do one transaction. And if I'm on a 80, 20 split with my agents, it's going to take eight transactions of theirs to make up for one of my own deals. Right. right. So how do you get to that point where you don't have to produce unless you love it? I mean, like, my buddy in Orange County, he does $65 million a year in production himself, just him. So obviously he makes a lot of money doing that, and he doesn't want to phase out. That's scary to lose a million and a half dollars a year in production if you right. stop producing. Yeah. But like you said, David, I mean, I think it's a matter of figuring out what are your needs? You know, is it you don't want to grow bigger? too fast or you're scared of what's going to happen if you bring on a lot of people because yeah. i know for me it's like i'd love to get bigger faster but am i going to have turnover are my age is going to be unhappy are we not going to have staff in place so that you know as they need support help with certain items they get that so i guess that's my question for you is is it controlled growth or is it i, I haven't figured out how to scale as fast as i'd like to and still maintain the quality Honestly, it probably may be a little bit of both, to yeah. be honest. Um, you know, and the agents that we have, they've come from larger companies. And the one thing they like about us is the fact that we don't want to get too huge too fast because they were already there. They were just a number. All they were was just a stat on the wall. They weren't Joe and John and Jane or whoever. And here we kind of have that, you know, they can come into our office and we have that one-on-one guidance with them the discussion with them it's more personal which is what we want and if we have 100 agents at some point we're not going to be able to provide that and then will they feel like they're just a stat and on the wall and and move on too so you know it honestly is a little bit of both and uh i think that's where most people have a big a big issue and this is and this kind of goes across all companies anybody that's an entrepreneur right you got the typical entrepreneur is uh, the, the technician at a company where he works on machinery and he's like, man, I'm so good at this. I'm going to start my own business, right? And he goes out and he starts his own business and he's really, really good at what he does, but he doesn't know how to run a business. And so he's kind of stagnated in the water, just kind of sitting there. He's making enough money to make him happy, and, but he, doesn't, he either doesn't want to scale because he can't release control or he just doesn't know how to scale because he's afraid that it'll get out of control. And I think that's with us is like, and I agree with, with uh, David, with it's a little bit of both, but I think if we were to be able to scale with the right people in place to take care of those tasks that we need, because you, once you scale, you got to double the, you know, my position needs to be doubled, right? Every right. time we bring on three or four agents, there needs to be somebody to take care of three people. So one for three, I guess what you could say. And this is kind of a rudimentary um, tree, but you get the point. If if we bring on an assistant in the office to help with all the ancillary items that need to be done with our brokers, you know the social media posts and stuff like that. We we have um, basically that now. Um, you need a transaction coordinator, right? With when you get to so many deals, and so we got seven or eight agents in here producing two or three deals a month. That's you know that the multiply uh, those deals it gets kind of hectic. So you need to add another transaction coordinator, but I guess we would probably just need the layers in place. Um, and I, that's probably something that you um, would be able to offer, right? So, so most brokerages come in and say, Hey, look, this is the structure that needs to be followed. Uh, it may be a little scary at first because you just, you know, the unknown, but you got to trust the system. And I think that I was talking with David 
earlier is like, I, I like doing real estate. I really do love it, but I actually love to run businesses too. And so I let my management park take over and then I, I'm less of a producer or which one do I do? Right. I, it's hard to figure out. Um, it's hard to be really good at both. Right. I mean, yeah. You kind of have to fixate on one or the other because you just get pulled too many directions and then you can't focus on your core tasks. Like how are you supposed to produce half the time? And then when you're out there with showing clients or, or, you know, prospecting and then your agents need you, it's hard to flip that off, turn it back on, go back and forth. I mean, I, I think really it's a matter of when you can do it comfortably and have enough reserves. Just like when a new agent starts, we tell them you should have six to 12 months of reserves saved up so that if you don't do a deal the first six months, you're not out of the business. Yeah. You probably want to have that same mindset when you transfer out of production and the management of Hey, we're set for a year so that when my production goes away, we're still making money, but we're not struggling because that's that's a revolving door where up oh, we're not making any money. Now I need to go back to production to supplement what we're not making from the agents. And then, oh, we're making money again. Now I'm going to go out of it. So you got to figure out how to scale that big enough and quick enough to where you feel comfortable getting out of that role. And maybe that's not completely initially, but maybe you've got someone in the office that you kind of partner with and you say, hey, you know, my deals will go 50-50. You handle all the legwork. You show my clients. You set up all the listings. You, you negotiate everything. And then I, I don't have to do any of the actual agent work, you know, if I have past clients or referrals and things like that. But, yeah, I think it's a matter of determining when you're ready to do that because that is definitely a challenge. Um but, you know, I, I think you can maintain high standards and culture and even that familiarity with your agents without hiring a ton of people. What it comes down to is you freeing up enough time to where that's your sole job is keeping them happy and then bringing in new people so that you don't have 10 other hats to wear. Because that's where if you said to me, like, could I maintain a relationship with every agent I have until I hit 100? Yes, if that was my only job, right? I mean, if, if all I had to do was hire, uh, you know, recruit, hire, train, and stay in front of them, me as one person, I could do 100 agents because I could call them all once a week or every other week, check in, send them some texts here and there, do my trainings, do my meetings, and I could maintain a really good level of, of personal accountability with people. But if I'm also doing all the systems and the legion and, and the social media for my office and still producing, like there's no way you could do that. Yeah. Right? Cause that's where I'm at right now. I'm producing, I'm running the books, I'm doing all the paperwork, you know, Steven's doing all the, the, the tech side. So I'm the, I'm the, he's the tech guru. I'm the, I'm very analog. So we're like yin and yang. So, <laughs> uh, so I was like, Hey, I'll take care of paying the bills. I'm managing all. So he's taking a couple of properties over, but I'm the one paying all the, the vendors. I'm the one paying the landlords and things like that. So I've got like, I don't know, eight or nine hats on right now. And so we're slowly kind of divvying it out and what we, we're trying to grow the property management side enough to where we can bring a property manager on and pay them and at least break even until we continue sure. to grow to take a hat off of both of us. And then, so, but that's kind of, you know, that's where we're at right now is yeah. too many hats and trying to figure out, you know, it's like hopscotch, you know, trying to figure yeah. out at what point we're going to Well, it's like, it, you know, you, you get into a situation where you're like, okay, if I want to make a, just say you want to make $100,000 a year as a, as a producing agent, right? And then you also want to run the business and, and still do that part at what point do you say, look, maybe I won't make but 50000 this year. Do a couple deals that, like you said earlier, lay down deals where they just kind of come to you. You're not really out there looking for business, but you're focusing more on the recruitment part, more on the you know, the business aspect of the company. And you get a deal every now and then, and it, it works out fine. I think that that is the transitional point that it's hard to let go of that. <laughs> and so, but because I also have bills to pay, you know, not only the company bills, but we, we also have bills to pay at home. And, and, um, I don't know where that really, that the turning point is. It's kind of, <laughs> here's, I'll, I'll say two things to that. Number one is until you stop producing, you have a job, you don't have a business, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the reality is like uh, the business is, you could walk away, not do anything today and still make money. Mm -hmm. If it needs you to make money, you have a job. So yeah. until you get out of that production side, 
you don't own a business. You just happen to have some supplemental income from other people who are selling real estate, but you're still the sole earner there. Um, actually, I have three points. Number two, if you guys ever want to sell this business or anything like that, if your production is a big portion of what the brokerage makes, your brokerage is worth nothing. Right. right? As soon as you leave, there's no money coming in. There's no income. The business has no sellable money or sellable assets, really. My last point is if you figure out how much money you make per hour doing certain activities, like if it is producing and it's you know, every hour I call, I, I end up making $80 and you're doing work that you could pay someone $12 an hour to do, you're losing $68 every hour by wearing so many hats, yeah. right? If you know recruiting people is going to end up making you, let's just say your average agent does five deals their first year and that ends up being 10 grand at the brokerage. Well, that's scalable. You know that I just need to recruit X number of agents to hit this income this the next 12 months. But if you're not focusing on growing it, then you're just going to be stuck in this, again, Groundhog's Day. I wake up, I do my production. When I can, I do stuff within the brokerage. But I'm never getting to that point where I own and run a business that's operating with me or without me because that's the best part is when you could actually leave. I don't know if you guys have ever taken a vacation. Uh, I hear they're Stephen goes really fishing all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear they're nice, but uh, yeah. really, I think it's a matter of figuring out like where, where do I want to be in three years, right? Because right, it's so easy to get wrapped up in today where it's like I've got bills, the brokerage has bills. I don't want to change my standards in the company, but I also want a bunch of agents like you got to figure out what that end goal looks like and then work towards it with structure. Cause if you don't have the structure, you're just going to be banging your head against the wall for three years. But, yeah. um, it, the brokerage side, honestly, four years later, I'll tell you, this is one of the hardest businesses to run and scale. You don't realize how many things you don't know about running a real estate brokerage until you try and do it. Yeah. And you'll, go through the, the hardest part is your agents are independent contractors. That is the hardest part, right? You can't control what they do every day. You can't give them true quotas and fire them when, I mean, sure you can fire them, but then your agent count goes down and then culture changes, but you need production out of your agents. If you're a split model in order to pay the bills and most agents don't make much money, they don't close a lot of transactions or they want the world, they want a hundred percent split and they also want a desk and they want this and that. Yeah. Well, how does the brokerage make money? Right. It's, it's a challenging industry until you figure out what your true value proposition is, why you're better than other brokerages. And then your agents need to know that. And they also need to pay in. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is until you can get enough agents in there, you, you can't get out of production. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably need 50, before you'd feel comfortable to like completely be out. I think that's usually the, the sweet spot of producing agents is 50. Cause like you said, if you got eight agents and they do two or three deals a month, you need to hit X number of transactions, multiply that by however many, you need a lot of agents to be consistent. Yeah. And it, I was listening to somebody the other day. I listened to a couple um, different podcasts and there, one of them was the guy from rich, uh, rich dad, poor dad. Right. Um, and he said there's three different types of income. There's portfolio income, passive income, and earned income. And you got to know, you know, which one that is that you're working towards. So, you know, earned income is you got to go do a job every day to make money to live, right? Um, your passive income is rental properties that are cash flow, right? It's just you're not putting any time into it. The rental property's sitting there. It's cash flow. And then um, the portfolio stuff is your your investments and stuff like that. So it's kind of you got to really know what your goal is. And that, that really struck a chord with me. And I was like, man, you know, it, just because we say we own a brokerage doesn't mean we we're owning a business. This is, this is a job for us. This is a, a everyday thing. And, and I've been doing some, some, uh, you know, reconciling with my own self, like, well, what am I really doing? And, and what are my actual goals? Because you, it's easy to sit down as an agent and, and listen to all the, the gurus in the industry and, everybody's selling courses and everybody's, you know, showing you how to do lead gen. But until you apply those principles, man, and, and, and really dig down into it and get past the ego of, Hey, I did so many deals last year. Guess what? It doesn't matter. You started over January one. <laughs> so, and 
And guess what? 2020 has been a crazy wild year. And for a lot of people, it's been really good. Uh, for me, not so much as I, I would, would have hoped. Um, David, he's on fire this year. He's been doing cr- you know crazy things. Um, and I think it just takes a little bit of self-reflection sometimes with personal you know stuff and, and business stuff. you got to figure out where you want to go. And, and I like what you said about the goal-setting thing. It's important um, to write down like actual goals and, and scale it out that way instead of just kind of doing the shotgun approach and just <laughs> trying to see what happens. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a matter of determining who you are as a company, right? I mean, wh- what are we doing differently than other people? Because at least in our market, it's so competitive, especially in the brokerage space, because you've got different models, you've got different brand reputations. And, you know, some companies are huge and can afford to market to all the agents and others are all picking up the phone and recruiting cold. And so you have to figure out, you know, if I talk to an agent, what am I going to do that's going to almost guarantee they're going to want to come over to me? And a lot of it is building that report and understanding what they need, right? Mm-hmm. Like what does the average agent in your market actually need? Is it the training? Is it the culture? Do they need leads? Do they need to be left alone? Cause there are those people that don't want everything from everyone. They just want a broker when they need support and they've got some legal questions. So figuring out what each individual agent needs is super important. When you're recruiting someone as opposed to, the canned presentation yeah. and it's like talking to an expired seller. If you use the same approach with every client, you're not going to have a great return on that because you're not asking enough questions about their needs and their experience and why they might want to make a change. And that's, that's the same with changing companies as an agent. Like that's a big decision to make, right? Like why, why am I going to leave unless I'm really unhappy and I'm actively searching for a new company. If you just call me or I meet you, you got to tell me pretty quickly why I need to be interested in your company and why that might make more sense for me, whether it's you're going to take things off my plate, you have admin. So for us, we're like the all-inclusive white glove. We do a lot of things for our, our agents that most brokerages don't. We give them shared assistance. They have leads. All the systems are provided. They've got the media. There's basically nothing they could ask for that they don't get here. Now, with that, they're, not, they're never going to get 100% split. We don't have a cap. We are not going to be a 90-10. In order for us to provide all this, it costs a lot of money. But I want to be able to share with them, hey, if we can take all this off your plate, you are going to go from doing eight transactions to 16 within your first 12 months, and you're going to make an extra 40 grand, and you're not going to have to do boom, 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 boom. And then they go, oh, wow, like, I'm, I'm basically wearing every hat in my business, and I go there, and I, I only have to do half of it. That opens up a lot of time. Either maybe they have family, they don't get to spend time with their kids on the weekends. Or again, it's figuring out what each person needs and having a solution for them is, I think, the key to growing as a brokerage. And uh, there's there was a um, an event I was at last year where someone said something that really resonated with me, and it was, if you can only work with people who are like you personality wise, you only find in something like 16 or 17% of the people that you are actually alike. So your personality matches. So yeah, I can tell you guys have different personalities, but you work together well, right? <laughs> if you were only able to adapt to people with similar personalities, and I say that because at a brokerage, you're going to have a bunch of different types of personalities. If you only adapt well to the ones that are like you, 16 to 17% of them are going to work really well. And then the other 84, 85%, 84, 83% aren't going to uh, be a good fit for your company. So being able to adapt to different personality types and needs as a brokerage and a broker is super important so that you can keep, you know, the A personality, the high driver, like go, 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 go personality happy. And also the people that are maybe better as like assistants, but they still want to sell real estate, their reserve adapting to each of your agents and knowing how you can help them will not only bring them in, but it'll retain them because that's the biggest thing is lifetime value of an agent, right? If you only keep an agent for 12 months versus three to four years, that's 25% of the potential income you could earn per agent. And that's where you can start thinking long-term of, Hey, if no, there's no turnover except for people we want to get rid of. And these people stay instead of one year, they stay four 
you're making a lot more money long-term. It's more consistent. And you basically build that pipeline of long-term income from not as many agents, right? Because if you have, like you said, you've, you brought on five agents, one's left. If that happens every year, that's not too bad. But if you bring on five and then by the end of the year, three of them have left, you got to recruit a lot more agents. Yeah. That's really hard to do on a scalable unless you just do that full time. Right? Like all I do is recruit. And there's nothing wrong with that, too. I think that's a key part of growth is always recruiting. But that's hard when you bring them in and they leave and you bring them in and they leave. And, you, and that's just that's a model, too, where your agents inside pick up on people leaving. Right. Mm-hmm. Hey, where's, where's so-and-so? Oh, they're gone. Oh, then they just sign up like two months ago? Yeah, it wasn't a good fit for them. And, and then they go, oh, well, where did they go? Did they find somewhere better? That's, that's a hard thing to have uh, internally, especially, I mean, as a broker, that's, that's demeaning, right? Where you just keep hiring and firing or hiring and leaving. That's, that's tough to do. Yeah, and we've been, we've been fortunate. The one that left us, we... He was very upfront. He's like, hey, I only want to do like a deal here or a deal there for our family. And the local board of realtors was like, hey, if you don't add him, they're just about their money. The board of realtors is just about the money. They're like, if you don't add him, we're shutting down your whole MLS for your whole company. And so we had a talk and we're like, hey, you know, here's kind of what we're looking at, you know, and things like that. I know you're very upfront about what your intent was. The, you know, we had no idea that the board of realtors would threaten to shut us down if you didn't go pay for your MLS access or whatever. Right. And he's like, well, you know, so he's like, well, I'm, I don't have anything going on right now, so I, I don't want to pay it. So we kind of just had a mutual, you know, thing. So, so right. we, that's the only turnover we've really had. So we've been, we've been pretty okay. blessed. Yeah, it hasn't been too bad. And I think like in the most part, our agents have really been, been producing pretty well considering this year. I mean, they're, they're all brand new to us this year. Cause we just started in January and, and, um, they're all doing pretty well. Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge or like, I didn't expect that with running the brokerage. Wow. So for me, it is figuring out the best way to run a schedule for myself. Like where, when do I need to be here? Not necessarily here, but when do I need to be, working on what's going on with the brokerage and like, where do I fit that into me trying to claw my way into making deals happen? Right. So it's kind of like if I'm trying to produce and I'm, I'm, you know, having a tough quarter or whatever, then I'm like, well, man, I really feel like, do I spend more time on the company and work on that? Because I, I feel obligated because, you know, we're the face of the company or do, you know, I spend more time trying to produce and just, see what happens with the company, right? And that's kind of been the way for me, I felt like, uh, if, if I'm being completely honest, like I kind of feel like, I'm, I'm, I don't know which, where do you, where do you start? <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, you do the podcast stuff uh, whenever we can. And, and um, I just finished up my degree. So I, I was going to school full time too. And it, it's just been a really crazy year. Um, so it, I think that's been my biggest struggle this year is just trying to get everything down in a schedule and, and I'm terrible about writing things down. I'm, I'm horrible at it. I don't do it as much as I probably should. And um, that's something where David really shines is he's very analog as far as writing things down. And he's very uh, – he still has his military officer syndrome, you know, where he's just got like everything has to be to a certainty. And that's what makes people successful, to be honest with you. Um, um, but I, I just kind of I'm, – I'm a little bit more free-spirited. <laughs> yeah, for me it was – so being in the military, everything's got a process. There's a book for everything. You want to learn how to go dig a hole in the ground, there's a book on how to dig a hole in the ground. So on the real estate side, the the, the, the biggest thing for me was the policies and the procedures for the company. Like I had what I thought was right, and then I'm like, well, I didn't even think about that. So then I've got to you know, add that to the policies and procedures book and, and just continuously grow because you don't know what you don't know until right. you find out you don't know it. And so you know, I came in. You know, even when we started talking about starting our own company, I got right to it. This policy, that policy, onboard checklist, you know, you name it. And I was starting to do it. And then, you know, I thought I had something good. And then they're like, well, what about this? And oh, hmm. so I just do a little addendum. But I'm always trying to spend some time reading books or looking at videos and things like that to try and figure out 
because I'm not God's gift to real estate. Nobody, I think, really is, but everybody's got their talents, right? And if you've put everybody together, then you've got God's gift to real estate. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to figure out just to make sure that I'm doing stuff right, not only by me, but by Steven and by, you know, for our agents too, because I don't want to be, I don't want to be a fly by night company. So, but I also don't want to be like the military where there's a book for everything and so much red tape and stuff. So it's just that trying to find that balance for me to where I know where everything's at and what I need to have. And communicating that to everybody and making sure that they know what it is, where it's at, and how to follow it. Well, I think um, I can kind of address both of those real quick, and that's if you lead with sales, that's the most important thing to everyone first and foremost, right, is how much money am I going to make? Sometimes we get distracted by things that we feel are super important, and maybe, especially to an agent, like, do they care about policies and procedures? No. Right. I mean, hypothetically, sure, we want to have things in place, but they're never going to care about a lot of stuff that we care about as brokerage owners. For us, it's about, like you said, structure and process. When you bring someone on, having that experience and making sure you have everything you need from them, sure, that's important. But they would be much more happy if you said, hey, I can show you how to make an extra $50,000 this year, and that's all we focused on. Right. And even for you, Stephen, like, I would say focus on what's going to make you money and don't apologize to the agents. Maybe make it clear like, hey, guys, we're growing. In order for us to keep doing the things we want to do as a brokerage and grow, we got to make some money. And I, maybe i got to focus a little bit more on my production. But, you know, David's there if you need anything or you can still call me anytime. Just because I'm doing more production doesn't mean it's not for the company. It's just something I've got to do early on to make sure that, we can grow and provide all these things that you guys are going to want long term because at the end of the day money is what keeps us going and if, yeah. if we don't make money we won't be in business very long so i think if if you just always think about how do we sell more how do we increase our per person productivity each agent selling more transactions every year the other stuff you can figure out when you got some free time and you know you want to work on you know confidentiality agreement all these things like that's fine and dandy, but if it doesn't move the needle towards your agents making more money and being happier, you guys making more money, early on I wouldn't focus on it too much because I think it's just distracting and you feel like you need all this stuff. But the reality is, you know, there's only so many things you need legally between workers' comp and E&O and MLS and all this stuff. Like, get that squared away and then focus on more agents, more sales, more time for yourselves too because I know – Stephen, if you're producing and running the brokerage with David and your other broker, like probably don't have much free time. So figuring out how to have some balance is important. And I know that's that's kind of a for me, balance is not like, oh, I work eight to five. It's when I want to, I can take today off. Right. That's or or if I you know, I've got three kids at home. If if I wanna go uh, take them out to the park at two o'clock on a Thursday, I can do something like that and not feel guilty or not have no time for them. So whatever balance looks like for you, but it's easy to drive yourself crazy with like, there's always more to do because there is, there's always more to do, but that doesn't mean that it's the most productive or that it's going to make you money. It just can be busy work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. I think that's the the biggest thing is, is just trying to figure out, you know, where do you get started when you got so much going on, you got, a bunch of irons in the fire and you're not tending to any of them because you don't know where to, I think that's a, a big issue for most people, right? I mean, wouldn't you agree? Well, like you said, there's nowhere to start. There's not a manual to starting a brokerage. Right. Everyone creates their own manual as they go for their own company. And a lot of times it's by trial and error or it's like you said, realizing, Oh, I need this. Whereas mm -hmm. if you'd spent maybe the first 90 days, just building out everything from scratch you could alleviate two years of trial and error. And that just doesn't exist in our space where there's just an easy way to say, all right, let's go through this. Or even just, hey, here's canned documents for you, and you guys make revisions within the policies and procedures that match your culture or your company. And honestly, that's the stuff that we're working on because I feel like there's such a need for it where, you know, hey, here's here's a basic, you know, let's call it an 8 out of 10 everything done you guys figure out the other two items that make your company who you are but you know the systems the processes how to hire admin how to train them how to recruit agents 
because there's so many facets to running a brokerage that you just don't even think about. And I, I mean, honestly, four years later, like, there's always more things I'm like, shoot, there's another thing I didn't think of four years ago. I wish I had, or, you know, yeah. change this and tweak that. And so I, I think it's just a matter of figuring out like your top three to five things you can do to make this company better all the time. And as you have some free time, do some of the other stuff that you just feel is needed for long-term sustainability because at the end of the day it's it's about money right i mean that's that's the reality is we need to make money we need to make a lot of it to be able to hire all these people do you guys have a physical office we do we actually bought an office instead of renting because we wanted to have that pressure of a mortgage to drive <laughs> us to to keep producing and, and yeah. to build a company so we have a four office uh condo so inside of a it's a fourplex condo business park that we're in so we have that it's ours so and as the other thing we wanted to kind of work on trying to get everybody then we get it paid off and then we rent it out and we buy something else so we use the income from renting this to help us get bigger and try and keep our we want to try and keep our costs you know like every business right you got to control your costs so we've got we've got all the plans this is getting to step one step two step three uh, the other thing that we thought about was keeping this and having no overhead and then buying another small office somewhere else that Stephen or I would go to and the, the other one would stay here and kind of control the growth that way and, and spread out our footprint a little bit and get our foot into the different markets versus just having one flagpole in all of the San Antonio Metroplex area, which is almost 2 million people. So, you know, those are just the different things that we've got cooking in our brain and as we get to a certain you know wicket we got to figure out do we go this way or do we go that way um and then if we go those ways which way you know so i don't know i i tend to over analyze stuff because in the military they're like you got to have your primary your alternate your contingency and your emergency courses of action so and with steven he both both of us were firefighters as well so we always have you know what happens when this fails and you know so sometimes i think maybe we can probably cut out some of that yeah. extra stuff but it was just ingrained to us since we were 17 18 years old to be like that analysis paralysis right yep, that's exactly so, what it is yeah but um so you know, we've got we've got thoughts we've got plans it's just a matter of getting to those and you're right you know i'm just sitting here when you were talking i'm like all right if, it cost, if i can make 80 dollars here but pay somebody 15 to do it i'm still making 65 bucks which is still good. So I never yeah. looked at it that way. So, you know, got to try and figure, figure some stuff out and, and kind of, cause it's all about perception, right? And if you can change your, your perception on how to do things, you, you stop kicking the, the rock, you can pick it up and put it in a wagon and roll it around. So, um, yeah. so I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy too. If you guys want to have an offline conversation, I'm not going to say anything, but I'd be happy to spend some time with you guys and kind of go through what you've got going on and see if there's anywhere that I can. No, that'd be awesome. I mean, everybody's yeah, got, down. everybody needs a mentor. Everybody, yeah, absolutely. You know, not a tormentor, but a, a mentor. Um, you know, I mean, I'm open for it. And that's why, you know, I was like, you know, Stephen was telling me about it. I was like, let's get this on because it may not be just for us. I mean, there would be other people out there watching it and, and listening to the podcast and stuff that, you know, maybe we can help you out too. So I appreciate it. No, sure. I mean, anything for me it's more about like improving our industry because i think it's a, it's a 90 10 where 90 90 percent of the people honestly suck in our industry yeah it's just like their education how they run their business some of it's just who they are but you know if we can flip that or even get to 50 50 where we can improve how the industry runs you talked earlier about the other agent on the other side of the transaction I mean, so much of the stress in our business is because the other agent doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, right? They make it so complicated yep. when it doesn't need to be. And, and there's so many other things, right? We've got lending and appraisals and inspections and all the stuff we can't control. So the better our industry is, the, the better quality of life. And I'd rather we get rid of half the people in our industry and make the other half really good than you know, continue to have the same turnover where a million people get their license every year and a million people leave. Like that's, that's just, that's really awful. In my yeah. opinion. No, I agree. Well, I think the, the best way to get to that point, it's, it's a capitalist type system, right? Where, where you've got the cream is going to rise to the top. So and the only way we're going to get that way is through education and mentorship, like what you're providing the, the, the better information that we can get out there to other agents in the industry 
that want to do better, that, that feel like, hey, this is what I need to do, and can put their ego aside and say, hey, look, I could use a little bit of learn, or a little bit of experience and education. And so if we get to that point, I think we can get to, you know, more of a 60-40 maybe even. I'd be happy with that. But, you know, I think the only way we're going to get to that that situation is, is providing, like, quality educational stuff and, and making sure that everybody's held to a little bit better standard. I mean, there are standards out there, obviously, because that's what we have, the Texas Association of Realtors and National Association of Realtors and all that. But those are just – they're mostly bureaucratic, you know, type – type talking heads that are just out there putting out policies and, and which there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of it. Right. I mean, there's obviously rules and regulations that we need to follow that are, that are good, but you know, I I don't really, they're not doing mentorship type programs that I know of. I mean, it's, it's stuff that you learn in, in getting your license and, and paying them to maintain your license. So it's, I think, we need companies like yours and what you're, what you're, what you're doing, uh, in order to get that level. And I think, um, I appreciate you coming on here and, and telling everybody about what's going on. And I've, I've actually really enjoyed this conversation because <laughs> it's, uh, you don't really think about it every day. And then, you know, when something's going on and you're like, well, that's a good bit of information. And I, and I believe it's, uh, definitely yeah. worth spreading around. I'm happy to come on. I appreciate you guys yeah, appreciate having it. me. Do you mind if I drop a little information about the the free event that we're doing? No, go for it. Everything that you can tell everybody about it, and then contact all the information, other stuff. everything. Yeah, awesome. So on October fifteenth, we're doing a free all day live virtual event. We've got around seventeen or eighteen presenters right now. Uh, each presenter, basically, what we want to do is just give everyone. Uh, a topic that they could implement into their business tomorrow that would change how their business runs over the next 90 days. So we got five categories, lead gen, marketing, personal branding, systems, and communications. Each presenter is doing a topic within one of those five categories, and it'll be 10 to 15-minute presentation, 5 to 10-minute Q&A. And so it'll be an all-day against free live We'll get sent everyone their recordings as well. So if you can't make it to any or all of them, you get them all for free too. Uh, you can sign up for free. Our site is reignitevirtualevent.com. And when you sign up for our event, we're also going to give everyone a 30-day uh, free membership to restructure as well. So they'll get to see all of our courses and Q&As and blogs and everything that we do with restructure. And mainly this is just... You know, trying to get to the people who are struggling this year with, with COVID or limiting beliefs or whatever it might be, there's a ton of business to be had regardless of your market or what's happening. You just kind of have to get out of your way sometimes and do the things that you know are going to make you money, even if they're not what you like to do. So some of this is going to be all about how to do something. Some things are going to be about mindset and ways to grow your business. And, and I think the biggest thing is just having a vision for what you want in a year and quit forgetting about today. Cause sometimes we get so wrapped up in our tasks that we forget why we're doing this. So yeah. again, it's a uh, reignite virtual event.com. If you guys want to check it out, it's free go. I mean, you need a lot of value out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll put the links to, I've already registered for the event for myself. Um, I'm going to send it to David too, so he can register if he wants. Um, but I'll put it in the show notes, um, and it'll be across all the platforms, Spotify, you know, iTunes, and and uh, and whatever that uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you're going to be able to get that information in the show notes. But um, so, so, do you have any current books um, available that you've written? I, I can't say I'm an author yet. Okay, so that's, that's something that uh, maybe down the road, but time wise, man, that just seems like a, a big tasks that I'm not ready to take yeah, on Yeah, right. No, I don't blame you. I, I, I don't like to write my name on documents, so <laughs> writing a book is kind of out the question for me. I, I don't even like to read actual books. I like the audio book because it's a little bit more passive uh, listening, so... He's from Alabama. He can't read. Yeah. They, we're we're all, <laughs> same thing, right? <laughs> same thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, as far as uh, the social media stuff, where can people find you on social media? Sure. Uh, my name's AJ Powers. You can look us up. Uh, my brokerage is Powers Premier, and then you can go. You can join our, our Facebook group. is free for restructure. Uh, that's just restructure team. You can search it uh, on Facebook groups. So we're on Instagram, YouTube, everywhere. So uh, you just look up restructure. You're gonna find us if you want to check out our brokerage. 
uh, or people who shoot me an email, I'd be happy to send them out contacts and, and different links as well. And my email is just aj at getrestructured.com. Cool. Uh, so, again, I mean, if anyone has questions, we're also doing something, too. Uh, every week we're doing a free business review. So anyone that's in our Facebook group, you can just go in there and sign up. And once a week we do, myself and one of our other collaborators, do a, a one-hour live free business review. So, yeah, if there's people that want to just chat and, and go over what they're doing and just get some insight, again, the main thing here is just improving our industry. So not all of it's about making money, even though I said that a million times during our podcast. Right. On the program about making money but right. our, our other company restructure is more about just educating people and making sure they know what they're doing and show them how to make their own money yeah no i think that's a big thing that's coming up here recently is because the market kind of got flooded with all these gurus and course sellers right so there's a lot of people that are coming out and say hey look i'm i've been really successful i want to give back to to the industry and do some stuff for free and i think that that's important um because as real estate agents, we get marketed to more than we market to buyers and sellers. We literally get hammered with advertisements and and marketing every single day from all types of companies and all that stuff. Right. So, um, if it's good, valuable information uh, and it's free, uh, I applaud people that are giving out that stuff because it, it takes a lot of time to build these, these, uh, you know, these, webinars and all that stuff that they're doing and putting out that free information that that's your time i mean it's and uh, i commend you guys for doing that for free for sure um so can we talk a little for like two seconds about the um, american dream show like tell me a little bit about like how that how long that show ran is it still running it is yeah so we were part of it for about two years give or take um basically the the core concept is the, the show locates eight to 10 of the top agents in a, in a market mm-hmm. and basically will create local content around what the agent will want to produce. So for us, we had basically creative freedom to an extent to go out and find businesses, events, charities, uh, things that are happening in our community and feature them on the show. So a lot of that is just, you know, being the digital mayor of your town aspect, right? Yeah. Where being seen on a, a big network uh, as community expert, as one of the top real estate professionals in your area. And we we did that for about two years. It was great. When we started our media side, Premier Productions, we realized we could do it all on our own. So, you know, we have full-time videographer. We do all of our own editing. We control how long the segments are, where we go. So we opened up more opportunities because we didn't have maybe some of the, the limitations, whether it be with time or what we were shooting. And honestly, with social media these days, anyone with a camera can create their own version of the American dream if they just go out and meet businesses, find a way to add value. Because all we're doing is promoting quality businesses or events within our community to be seen. Yeah. Right? I mean, top of mind, it's branding. You're helping a business owner in return. Hopefully they send you referrals it's all relationship based. So at the end of the day, I mean, obviously it's harder in COVID times to go out and film some of the stuff in person or go to big events. Like our, our community is huge in San Diego. So, you know, we had so many opportunities every year to feature some amazing events that happen throughout San Diego. Now, a lot of them are gone this year, so it's harder to do. But if you think about restaurants and places that are struggling because of shutdowns, this is a perfect time to go out and approach them and say, Hey guys, I know it's hard. Let me do some free promotion for you. I want to help. And at the end of the day, it's just your time. And obviously you need to figure out how to shoot and edit it, but it's a great way to show people. You're not just a salesperson trying to sell real estate every single day. And the engagement on those videos is way higher than any of your real estate stuff. We're ever going to do either. I mean, we've, We've done community videos that have had half a million views and 100,000 shares on a couple of them. And, and that's just about engagement and quality content versus like, look at me, I sell real estate every day, which is the average agent. Yeah. Yeah, doing the 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 uh, occasional open house video or something like that is what most people will end up doing. And and no, that's, that's awesome. I've seen a couple of things where they want you to, or they tell you like what a good idea would be is to go out and feature specific parts of the community and just kind of get into that. But that's a, that's a really cool deal. 
Well, man, uh, I'm not going to take up too much of your time here. Um, you know, we've, we've already taken up an hour, uh, a little over an hour of your time, and I appreciate you coming on. Um, and we're going to put this episode out uh, this coming week, probably drop it for Wednesday of next week. Um, I'll get the show edited and, and all that. And I'll send it over to you. Um, but, yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and much success in the future. I look forward to, to seeing you guys on the event um, in October. And if there's anything else you want to leave us with, um, go right ahead, man. No, I, I just want to say thank you guys for, for bringing me on. And I, I love learning. Part of the reason I do what I want to do with restructures, I love learning about other people's businesses. And my mind is, uh, how do I solve this puzzle, right? Yeah. You know, if the puzzle is your guys' business, where, where do you need help or where do I know I can add some value? And that's why I love doing this. And so I just want to say thank you. I mean, I, I enjoy getting to hear about everything everyone's going through, especially because I've been where you are starting up a company. Now I did it all on my own. I think it's way better that you guys have people to bounce ideas off of and someone to delegate to. Uh, but I mean, hats off to you guys for doing your own thing and sticking with it. And yeah, again, if you guys want to connect offline, I'd be happy to, to jump on one of these zooms and, and chat for a while. Yeah, awesome. absolutely. Well, we appreciate it. All right, man. Well, we'll, we appreciate it again, and I'll see you next time. Sounds good to see you. Guys. Take care. Right. Bye-bye.